Welcome to Indie Dotes, the podcast that shares the stories of independent creators. I'm your host, Susan Bond. Today on the show, I have Lynn Tai, who is the founder of Key Values. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. So um, let's talk a little bit about what Key Values is. Great, great place to start. <laughs> right. So, um, Key Values is a website um, for engineers who are looking for jobs, and they can use Key Values to find teams that share their values. So, it's essentially a culture first approach to a job board. Ooh, I, I love that. Right. <laughs> and particularly around values, which really is culture and, and values are not the exact same thing, but they're so important and intertwined. Yes, very, I think that's a great way to, to think about it. Um, but ultimately, it's kind of just trying to tease apart what the actual culture is. Um, and the one of the things that confuses people, it's not company core values. It's not usually the things that you see written on the wall or written right. in, the, in the hand guide or, or manual, whatever. Um, but it's really values that job seekers, that we as employees would care about. So, like, I want to work somewhere as an engineer where there aren't a lot of meetings and where people eat lunch together and, um, you know, where we pair program, for example. Those are things that are important to me, and so I want to work somewhere where those, you know, are not just, those are actually part of the real culture, um, and they're actually translated into the daily behaviors, not just things they say. So, like, yeah, you'll never see, like, eats lunch together on the wall, but it is right, something that's important. Right. It is right. important to like, the people working there. Like a little, with a little, like one of those pictures with a cat and a sandwich eats lunch together, right? And with a row of kitties, <laughs> you know, those inspirational, like, posters, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not, not a popular one you see, but yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit. I would actually want to go back to... Um, I mean, we're going to talk a lot more about what Key Values is about, but I want to go back to how this kind of got, how you got started on this project, like way back when. So you were a software developer mm -hmm. working for a company. Uh, I was actually freelancing oh, as freelancing. a software. Okay. Yeah, the, the whole time I was kind of thinking like I need practice before I get a full-time job. Um, and I kind of just ended up doing that practice, like the, the freelancing for two years, two and a half years. Um, and then that's when, and when it really started was when I sat down to look for a full time job and I just couldn't believe how hard it was. It was it was awful. <laughs> mm. um, so, yeah, I mean, so I was. How do I say this? I have to like go way back to date back before all of this. Um, in my previous lives, as I call it, before I became a software developer, finding a job or finding a place to like call home was a very different process. So it was just the first time looking at engineering jobs. It was just shocking how different it was and how little emphasis there was on the people. Um, and so it really was just solving a problem that I had. Um, and my boyfriend's actually a startup founder and I constantly hear him complain about how hard it is to hire engineers. And I realize it's just something that's broken on both sides. Um, and I think it's because a lot of what you see now is, you know, you find jobs based on the salary band or, you know, the company size and the tech stack. And those things are, I mean, those things are definitely important, but they're not the most important parts, if you ask me, at least. Mm. So, well, right. It's the part that everyone focuses on, but it's not everything. It's certainly not everything. Um, I, yeah, I've actually had this conversation about salaries so often lately because I think a lot of people are, are, are they're assuming that I think salary doesn't matter. And I, of course it does. Of course it does. But I think salary is just one dimension 
Like when you think about the jobs that you apply for, the range of salaries that you're being offered is is pretty close, right? But everything else, like in terms of like who you're working with, how you're working together, like are there opportunities to get promoted? Um, is there lateral move mobility at the company? Like all of these other aspects of what the job will be is so much more complex that I think that really is the biggest differentiator between employers. It's not the salary. Well, well, right, or even you know many other things that we think would be more important. Um, but I, I exactly, I feel like so. For example, if you're someone who needs a lot of time, you're you're fairly introverted and you need to think a lot. A company that has a ton of meetings is going to be hell for you. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I think it, I mean meetings is actually a good one. I think stereotypically engineers dislike meetings, um, but it's not true for everybody, and it really kind of depends on you. So yeah, I was gonna say, I think the most important thing is understanding what you really care about. Of course, there's right. things that like sound nice, but there's always deal breakers and those are different for everyone. So once you identify them, it's a lot easier to figure out where and where not to work. Um, but anyways, yeah, key values should really just help people who have, who've know what they're looking for and find teams that share those. Right, oh, love that. So you had this problem um, you, you had this problem that, that how you kind of figured this out was you had the problem in hiring and then when you, at what point did you you know and trying to get a job right and trying to find a, a fit the right fit for you at what point did you decide I need to work on this I, I want to solve this problem oh it's, it's it all happened so fast um, <laughs> so I actually kicked it all off I had like this huge main, like manic state in the end of March, I think, of this year. Um, one of my good friends, Cortland Allen, he was working on something called Indie Hackers, which actually isn't super unrelated um, to Indie Dotes, but uh, he got acquired by Stripe. And it's just why this was like a big deal was because he had always been the one to tell me that I should freelance. He was very like anti-full-time employee for a while. And so him joining Stripe full-time felt like he was abandoning me. And for oh, some no. reason, it affected me. It like really affected me, and I felt like I just went a little crazy. Um, and I was like, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" So that's actually when I started looking for a full time job. I was like, "Maybe I should, you know, maybe this is the time." I've been waiting for. I've been kind of like freelancing, waiting for this right time, and it's probably now. Um, and it kind of, it kind of happened. Yeah, like. It was just the pains of trying to find a job were so awful. And then I was like, oh, maybe we can, you know, like I can work on something that helps people like me. I wish I had this tool. And within a couple of weeks, it was like all I could think about. I was still freelancing. And um, wait, so wait, that's pretty interesting. So what happened in those two weeks? Like, was there, was it, was it Cortland going to Stripe that made you really, like, was that a turning point for you? It was definitely, I, I mean, I don't really know what it was, to be honest. Like I had, okay, so I, I love this whole, your whole uh, theme of like inflection points, because I've had so many turning points. Right. This was definitely one of them, but it was never, it wasn't something I'd experienced quite like this before, just because it, it happened so fast, and usually I can feel the buildup before a huge turning point, and this one just kind of like took me by surprise. Wow. Um, yeah, and I think it's also like, I've, you know, I'm getting older. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> um, and it was kind of one of those things where everyone, you know, always tells you like, follow your dreams, follow your dreams. Um, and I was on this run, and I realized, this sounds like, it's, 
I realized that I didn't have any dreams. And I was like, oh my God, I'm dreamless. I'm a shell of a human. Like, who? I don't even know what I'm doing. I felt so guilty that I was like this dreamless person. Um, and yeah, I'm actually not even sure like the order of events. It might have been happening. I was just going to ask you, like, when you had like, the, like, I have no dreams, you know, was that you know, what, when was that before the two-week period? When you no, this was, like, part of that time. Got it, got it. So yeah, I, it was I might have been, like, started weeks. looking. Yeah, I might have been, like, looking for jobs and, like, wow, I don't even, like, I'm not even excited by any of these companies. I mean, of course, have, when was the last time you read a job description? It was, like, I'm so inspired. This um, is my dream. Yeah, like, job Very descriptions are just so, Very, yeah, right. are so dry and, like, it's just, you don't get any information anyway. So I think I was just, it was, like, all happening in the same few days probably. Um, yeah, this is all probably like a handful of days, um, but I realized that I didn't have like some far-fetched dream, like someday I want to open a restaurant or like, you know, people have these. Or these, I want to travel the planet. You yeah, know, or like the they have something. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so it took a, like some time and I realized that maybe I had three things that counted as dreams. Um, one of them was starting a family. Like I've always wanted to start a family. My boyfriend was like, ha 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 ha. Not now. <laughs> yeah, Maybe not now. That one. <laughs> uh huh. I was like, okay, okay, that one's sure. We'll wait. I know he was so. He was like, I don't know how to respond right now. Um, <laughs> the second one was to do an Ironman, and just like mm. these are things that I've like wanted to do for at least ten years. This is like how. This is like my my, my um, criteria for what counts as a dream. Um, and then the last one was like this nebulous, like, I want to be an entrepreneur or start something where I can, you know, set my own schedule and potentially work with my friends or like, it was just like this nebulous thing. Um, and I think it's partially because I, my definition of what an entrepreneur was living in San Francisco was pretty narrow. Right. Um, and so, yeah, all that happened really quickly. And but in that like two week period, I decided to both try to start a business and be, do an Ironman. I was going <laughs> to so. say, when you said the other one, I was like, it was definitely not the kid one because we've already got the boyfriend. Yeah, not the kid that. not yeah. the kid one yet. That one can wait. Right. Well, so the, the question I have is um, when you came up with these dreams, how did you – did you sit down and, like, write them out? Were you, was it during a run? How did you finally articulate that you, you – know, or remember that you had three things that you wanted to pursue at some point in your life? Oh, I was just thinking about it nonstop for a couple of days. It was just like, what do I really want to do? I mean, there's all these things that sound like travel the world is, is like something a lot of people say, but I don't like have like heart, you know, it just more sounds nice. I don't know if I really have wanted to do that. And if, if someone gave me the chance to travel the world right now, I don't know if I actually would take a whole year or two off to do that. So it's like definitely not, doesn't count. Um, but I was just thinking about it for all day, all night for a couple of days. And those were, I mean, honestly, I think it's almost sad that those are the only things I could come up with. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. I was I like, that's like, it. But see, I feel like those are pretty full. Like, all of them, each one of them requires commitment. That's right? true. I that's mean, true. I mean, I think those are great. Because I went through my own period of that, you know, like, what are my bigger dreams? I feel like we all go through it at certain points. Like, you have a dream, then you accomplish it. Or you're like, oh, yeah, no, that was, what was I thinking? Like, that was, mm -hmm. that's not really a dream I want. Um, I've had many dreams I've like abandoned, mm -hmm. um, but these sound, you know, really great. So you picked, so you picked, um, you know, the, uh, the Ironman and have a business and this yeah, is, and we're like in March, right? Is this yep, in March? This is, yeah. End of March. Um, I hadn't actually, so I didn't even know what the idea was yet. Um, but it was still at the same time of me, like maybe looking for a job. Um, and it kind of just, yeah, 
it kind of just happened. It was like, well, I'm looking to do, I'm trying to solve a problem and I'm facing this problem and I want to, like one of my dreams is to solve a problem and make it a business. And so kind of, yeah, it was pretty natural at that point. Did you decide, to, when you decided I want to solve this problem, did you stop looking for a job? Oh, yeah. You did. <laughs> well, because looking for a job was so painful. It was like any excuse to not do it was great. Isn't, it's um, horrible. Looking Job searches are so not fun. It's so it, I know. I can't describe it any other way than just not fun. Because yeah. it, it sounds like it might be fun because it's like change and there's new opportunities. The world, like, you know, endless opportunities in the world that you can choose to be or join whoever or wherever. But it's just a really frustrating experience. So... Um, I ended up looking for jobs, I'm doing air quotes here, um, because it started being like research for key values. Um, and that was kind of, it was just interesting because I, I would have like 100 tabs open of different career pages and job descriptions, and they all looked the same. Right, you're like, which page am I on right now? Yeah, no, I didn't, no, no, no idea. No distinction. And, and, and how do people sort of thin slice or figure out between those what 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 the the one really is so okay so so you decide it's it's march it's like six months ago now because we're recording in november mm -hmm. um maybe a little bit longer maybe a little longer i was like seven, yeah seven months maybe it's been seven months okay but but still not a lot of time um so you know you're you decide okay i'm, I'm gonna apply for these jobs this research and i'm working on 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 this and how were you earning money at the time were you still doing you know like contractor freelance work mm -hmm. i was so i was uh yeah i was still doing some freelance work and um i was basically had some time like there was a natural break there was like something got delayed with one of my clients so i had a little i think that's also added to the to the craziness of that week or two week period where I was just kind of like, um, what's it called? Like there was some cabin fever and like I was just antsy because I didn't have anything that I had to do. So. Um, oh, you're one of those people who needs to oh, be busy or have things to do. <laughs> Apparently, I guess at I that point. I am the same way. I'm like you're one of those people because I'm one of them. I call myself a recovering type A. So like, like, like you know, I, I have to be doing something. Like I'm for Christmas, we're going to my family's house for Christmas and I'm like, okay, give me the cooking. And my sister's like, well, you're all going to be cooking. I'm like, no, no, give it all to me because I have to be doing something. <laughs> that sounds familiar for sure. Um, so you were a cabin cabin fever. Yeah, I just, I just added to this pot of being so crazy. I, don't, I, honest, I can't describe it any way, other way. I was just kind of crazy. I just felt like I wanted to do something. I had all this energy and nowhere, no outlet for it, yeah. I guess. So I think that's kind of what this turning point was about. Um, and yeah, it just, it really took me by surprise. I was really happy. Otherwise I was, you know, working hard and learning lots of things. And I think I always, you know, far-fetched wanted to start something. I just didn't know if it, I really didn't think it was going to be this soon kind of thing. Um, and I had gone through some other ideas over the few months before and they were all awful. One of the closest idea I had before starting Key Values was like to learn VR and blog about it. That's not really a business, but that was like the other idea that I had seriously considered um, just to like, you know, start building an audience and get myself out there. And yeah, I think yeah. it would be a great way to build an audience. I think you're right. Like finding the business model for that might be a little more challenging. Yeah, I was like going to say there wasn't one, a sustainable yeah. one. That's, a, that's like a long tail sort of business play. Of like, yeah, or maybe like, you know, there's all these like MOOCs or is that even how you say that out loud? Um, of just like these massive <laughs> online open courses where people were building and I was like, oh, maybe that's somewhere I'll go. Um, but yeah, it didn't really inspire, it didn't excite me that much. So 
Um, the key values one was just, I just started noticing that I'd always kind of cared about company culture. Um, I've always loved talking to people about what they want to do. And, and I mean, you can relate to this, just yeah. like the, the career coaching and like helping people figure out, navigating, you know, their own paths is something I've always kind of been interested in. Um, and it felt close to that. So it was just naturally something I just wanted to keep thinking about. Um, and over a few weeks, or really like very soon, I started wanting to think about that more than doing my actual work. So uh, pretty soon after, I think it was like mid-April, I told my clients I wanted to wrap up so that I could go full-time on key values. And then, um, so I spent the next six weeks, like basically through the end of May, wrapping things up so that I could do that, just work on key values. Well, yeah, and were you already, um, so you, you were going to have, so you were, here's what I make, uh, the assumption I make from that is that you were going to have a period of time where you were just working on key values and not earning an income. Yes. Okay, so yeah. how did you do that? Um, so that part's kind of like, I've been, so basically, <laughs> since graduating, I've never done anything to make a lot of money. Um, when I first graduated, I went to grad school. And grad school, yeah, you don't, no one goes to grad school to make a lot of money. No. <laughs> um, so my stipend was like $32,000 in San Francisco. Oh. Uh, when I dropped out, yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm like actually so proud that I even managed that. I know, I'm like um, free happy hours. Um, every free event you go. Yep. That's your lunch and dinner. Yep. yep. Um, and then after grad school, I did some, I actually like, I drove for a sidecar. That was before Uber X even existed. And then... I did some other thing with EDM music production. Yeah, it was all these like small gigs. I was just lost trying to figure out what to do. Um, and then I joined Homejoy, um, which was my first real job. And that was also, you know, it was a startup, so it was scrappy. And again, no one worked at Homejoy to make a lot of money, or not immediately at least. There was right. the, the hope. Um, and yeah, so after that, I learned how to code. And the whole idea, part of the reason was that for that was that I figured I would be able to Actually, there's a lot of reasons why I learned to code, but one of them for sure was was making good money. And so I spent the two years freelancing really for the first time in my life trying to make and save money. And there was a little bit of like, there's something with a business maybe in the future that I'll save up for, but also if I want to raise a family or stay in San Francisco, I'll never regret saving money. So that was like pretty much one of my biggest focuses for a couple of years. Oh, got it. And so, so I was ready. You, yeah, even though you hadn't had this, you hadn't... Even though you hadn't thought, okay, well, I'm going to start a business soon, you just had this idea that in the back of your head that it would fund something. Yes, exactly. A exactly. lifestyle, a ch children, uh, whatever. It would fund mm -hmm. something. Yeah. That's really smart. So when you wrapped up your clients, it gave you, it sounds like it gave you more freedom in order to wrap up those clients and then give you time to work on it without having to worry about income. That's exactly that. Because, I mean, throughout grad school and even working at Homejoy, like I did have to worry about, like I'd constantly have to be counting dollars to make sure I wasn't overspending. And it's just something that takes a lot of energy. And so I, I knew that having a buffer would, would free me of that. So can, uh, how long was your buffer? How many months do you think you had of buffer? I mean, I still, I'm still running on that buffer. I am, if I, well, so if, if I do the math, if I go back to like grad school living, I think I could stretch it out for almost like a year and a half, two years. From um, but now I, or from when you started? From when I started. Okay, yeah, okay. That's great. Um, but if I want to live, you know, and like eat real meals and <laughs> occasionally treat myself, <laughs> um, it's probably a little shorter. But in general, I'm a pretty frugal person. 
Um, and I, yeah, I haven't bought new clothes in so long, so, so long. <laughs> well, I mean, it's important, like a year and a half to two years is a significant amount of time. It's a question someone was asking me. They have, they started a, a business and they wanted, they were like, well, I don't know how much money I need to have in the bank. People say I have runway and how much do I need to have? And they had something like two or three years and were worried. And I said, okay, okay. You have you have enough. Like that's and by plenty, the way, right? And by the way, they were also working on something that was making already still making them money. Like they were going to walk into the business wow. making money, right? Because of the kind of thing that they were doing. And so it's a question I think a lot of us ask: like, how much runway do we really need? And so you were walking into a business that from the outset, I mean, it's not going to make you money right away, correct? Mm -hmm. like, it's not making me money still. It's not so, yet. Got yeah. perfect. So yeah. So you. So for someone who started a business that was not going to make revenue right away, you started with a year and a half to two years. That's a correct. That's a nice. But also yeah. with the idea, I don't know. Did you think about the fact like, oh well, I can you know, go freelance again if I need to. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you can always, I mean, the thing that people forget is like, you can always just get a job again, right? Like it's not ideal, but if you try to start a business and things don't go well, I mean, it's not the end of the world. You can, I mean, and most people can actually probably find contract gigs and consult to some degree, whether you're a software developer or not. Um, you can do it as a designer or as a PM. Um, and so I think that there's, it's good to know that, but obviously you want the runway just so you have uninterrupted time to focus on your business. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say again, it's also just a comfort thing. Some yeah. people feel comfortable, some people are like, I've got three months runway, let's go. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, that's amazing, like I wish I felt that way, but I need a little bit more to, to feel confident. <laughs> yeah, see, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm more on, I'm not quite the three-month plan, but I'm, I'm more on that way. Mostly, though, I think because I've had to start businesses because of economic, you know, economics crashed, and then I had, I had to, go, you know, I worked for myself, couldn't find a job, so I started working for myself, so I didn't have runway. So, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but I mean, I, what I did instead was I worked a day job and built my business at night, you know? Yeah. I've had two jobs for most, many parts of my life. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's one thing for sure. There's no shortcut to it. You have to just work hard. Um, the order in which you do things is probably doesn't matter as much, but for sure the constant is that you'll be working hard. <laughs> well, well, right, and I think that there's lots of different ways. Like, I love the idea of having a year and a half to two year of one way. I mean, trust me, I would love that. Um, I mean, I don't have any ideas I need to work on like that right now that require that, mm -hmm. um, but I think there's lots of ways to go about it. So let's go to this, let's talk about in like, I think May-ish. So in May, you know, you wrap up with your clients and you'd been working on the side on key values, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that sounds about right. <laughs> and so then what happened? Talk to, walk, walk us through what happened when you went full-time with key values. Like where, where were you spending your time? What was that like? Yeah, so in the beginning, so I, I don't know if I would do it differently because I think, I mean, this was all the first, this is the first time I've ever tried launching a product ever. So I think there's a lot of learning to do. And I don't know if there, if I could go back in time, obviously I would know what I know now, but that's not, that's cheating. So, um, but I spent <laughs> or the time first... travel. I would love the time machine. If you, I would it. love it. If you find one, let me know. Yeah. yeah I'm totally in there with you. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time actually just like talking to other engineers. Cause you know, I was, you know, I am a web developer, but I felt kind of like an unconventional one. Cause I'd only learned, I did a boot camp early in 2015. I was relatively new, um, so I wanted to just talk to other types of engineers and people who'd been doing it for, you know, 15 years. Um, so I was doing a lot of research and just kind of figuring out what people 
like how people look for jobs and why people join the companies that they did. Um, and so I did that a lot. And then there was this, I, this like figuring out what key value, how it would even look or how it would work. For a long time, it was kind of like I just wanted companies to, well, actually, in the very beginning, I wanted to do some investigative, investigative whoa, can't, can't speak right now, but do <laughs> research on each of the companies and basically interview every single member of their team. Um, and the hard part with that is that a lot of companies don't feel comfortable sharing some of their, their the tr like, no company wants to say, like, we don't eat lunch together and we're not social. You know, totally. no, com no, yeah, of course. And so there's this part of me where I realized I didn't want to force companies to say, to reveal anything about themselves that they weren't comfortable with. Um, and then there was also the aspect of just like scaling. There's no way I was going to be able to interview every that's engineer. What I was, I was, on, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I mean, I've done that kind of project before. When we were building, we were building, I was running uh, career development and we were building career lattices for the whole company. And I, I had to sit in reviews twice a year for 250 people. Wow, yeah. that is a lot. I mean, it was it was great because it helped me get some themes and things, but it was exhausting. Like, yeah, that first exactly. Year about killed me. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is yeah, that's right. a lot. Right. Um, not scalable. Not ha yeah, hashtag not scalable. Um, so I think there was just me figuring out like what it actually would look like and how I would go about it. Um, accuracy to me was really important, and I think that's one of the things that comes up a lot when people see key values they're like how do you know people are telling the truth like how do you how do you ensure that and i realized that does anyone ever know anyone telling the truth like when you're interviewing somewhere right. and you're sitting with your in interviewer and they're trying they're trying to sell you they're trying to close you and they know you have other offers or that you're interviewing other places and i mean who's to say that they're telling you the truth so i think i just it was a lot of in the beginning just figuring out how key values would look and ultimately what i landed on was just having a preset of values that companies or engineering teams specifically would choose from, limited to eight, which is very important because otherwise every team says that they're all the things. Um, oh, you're right, we're everything amazing. Yeah, they're like, these all sound great, check all the boxes. Um, but limiting uh, companies to eight and also asking them to rank it is actually extremely informative. Okay, wait, so I have, I have like a billion questions. Okay, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping. <laughs> no, no, this is exciting. No, it's really fascinating to me. So we're still pretty early on. You've not, you're not building anything yet, correct? You're not I writing mean, code? I'm like sketching some stuff. It's not pretty. I have some screenshots. It's Okay, it's, but, it's, yeah. but you're not like But mainly I'm doing building. research. Yeah, right, I'm you're still... doing research. Yep, you're right. doing like the lean startup way. You're talking to people. Mm -hmm, and I'm planning. Yep, the planning. And so how did you get the companies to, you know, how did you find the companies and get them, you know, see that process, right? The information about them to pick the eight and all of that. Oh, that was just, that was like pure, mil like milking my network <laughs> and saying like, hey, I'm here to help you. I know you're trying to hire. Um, so in the very beginning, I would interview a couple members from each team and basically record that interview, transcribe it, manually. I'm like, so I'm like closing my eyes because it's so embarrassing that I did that. It was so difficult. Um, and then would just draft profile, a profile for them based on the values that they chose and what we talked about. And then we would go back and forth because most people, it's easier to talk about things than write about them. That's true for almost anybody. Um, and then it was really like the first, I mean, if you, I'm like looking at my website right now, most of these first teams, I know an engineer at each of those companies. 
or was somehow introduced to, to someone who worked on the engineering team. And were they, they were pretty open. Like, was did you have to talk to the CTO, the VP of engineering, the CEO? Were they pretty open about letting you talk to their folks and list them on this website? Yeah, so that one's really interesting. In the beginning, I think I wasn't explaining what I was doing very well, so I got a lot more hesitation. But once I realized how difficult that pain point is, truly, on the, on the hiring side, um, employers, like if you can imagine, they hire internal recruiters, or they even you know, sometimes hire internal and external recruiters, yep. and there's a lot of people devoted to this effort. And um, oftentimes, like for one, the initial conversation that people have with an interested applicant is the same, and it's a lot of repeating yourself over and over again. So I realized like, even just as that small win, putting it down in writing and share, being able to share it with your candidates um, really up levels that initial conversation. So like if you have this profile and everyone reads it before they even speak to you, then a lot of the early questions are already out of the way and you can kind of get into the more, the meat uh, of so things. So you sold it as a benefit to them, like I'm helping. Oh, it, yeah, absolutely. And then also I am doing essentially free marketing for them because I'm trying to drive traffic to my website. Um, and uh, you know, in turn that means driving, driving traffic to their profile and having people learn about them. Well, right, and they um, so get yeah, a chance. Really... And they get a chance to pick the eight versus you telling them exactly, like, like exactly you, you rating them. Well, we, you said this, but we really think it's this. It's like they have a chance to be a part of that process. So, did anybody, did anybody turn you down or say, "Please take me off your website"? Um, no one said no after I had done work. Actually, that's not true. No, there's there are definitely some companies who said no. Um, mm -hmm. The, it was interesting to me, the, some of the ones that said no were ones that kind of didn't understand even the idea of what key values was. And to me, that means that they really were hiring what I call mercenaries instead of missionaries. Well, tell me more about this. What's mercenaries versus yeah. missionaries? So um, I think, yeah, it's actually, in, in general, I think some people are motivated more by money. Um, and that's just true if you walk around, not just with engineering. Totally. Um, and so a lot of companies, you know, they try to compete with each other in trying to hire the best, you know, the best talent by uh, offering the best compensation. And that works for a lot of people, but really only mercenaries. I think missionaries are people who are motivated by meaning, and there's a lot of other factors that kind of go into it, and having, you know, paying them the most money is not the highest selling point. And so there are companies who, there are actually a lot of companies who are well-funded, who position themselves in a way um, that attracts missionaries versus mercenaries. So even though they could pay, you know, you know, twice as much as their next competitor, they don't purposefully because they want to attract people who are really in line with their mission. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, just noticing, you know, both engineers and employers who falls in which camp was really. Uh, it's just really interesting. Guys, so like the merc I make up that the mercenary companies would be less interested in being on your site because they're, lo they're, exactly. they're looking at values. Not that values don't matter at all, but they, they're really heavily sorting for maybe a particular kind of person who's more motivated by money. Yeah, I think that they just haven't had problems attracting the people that they want, Got and it's it. because that they're able to add, you know, their, their, their biggest sell selling point is high salary or like great perks or something like that. So, um, and then yeah, I mean, writing profiles takes a lot of time, uh, especially now. So ever since I launched, companies now approach me, which is so wonderful, and they actually do most of the writing themselves. I'm, you know, I'm obviously in a supporting role to help edit and guide, but 
companies really do the exercise of selecting their values and then qualifying them. And that's not an easy task. No, I mean, it definitely takes time and energy to do that. And who's doing those um, now when the companies are coming to you? Who normally inside of the company is coming to you? Yeah, so it's super mixed, but I always ask that at least, you know, two, well, it depends on the size of the company, obviously. Sometimes the engineering team is just the size of two people, so hopefully everyone's involved. <laughs> um, if it's a bigger company, I want at least two to three engineers or engineering managers um, to, to be in, heavily involved in contributing. Um, and then, yeah, but it's mixed. And some, it's actually really interesting. Some teams have, like, uh, their CTO and their CEO and their VP of, you know, whatever, like their HR. Yeah, their people, talent, whatever they Yeah, their people, yeah. talent. Yeah, I was going to say that the name, the title is different depending on the company, but I think they're all essentially the same role. Yeah. Um, and uh, other teams are really, it's just it's just a few engineers that I speak to. So uh, I get that why varies. you want the engineers too, because you want their day-to-day -day experience versus... Oh, yes, I mean, yes. and I don't mean this to sound... Um, harsh against it, but if you're like a CEO or HR, you might have more of an impetus to, 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 to say, you know what I mean, to say that this is our culture. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like to present mm -hmm. your culture in a particular do. way. Yes, exactly. So I think engineering, um, there's a lot of the nitty gritty that you can't, actually what happens is a lot of times they can't answer the questions. So you, they almost have to involve engineers, oh, even if they wanted to somehow cut them out. Yeah. But usually I end up working directly with engineers or engineering managers, yeah. So, got it. So you, you start asking all of these, you know, you're getting all these, you know, starting to get these reviews and it's starting to take shape, right? So I'm thinking this is somewhere this summer. Like, when did you start really building out what it might be? I actually feel like I might have, you know, I, I, my memory's so bad. It wasn't even that long ago. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I think I was actually starting to build things out. Um, it just changed quite a bit as I was Got doing it. it. Um, the, I started with the profiles because that I knew, like, I, you know, that was less tricky to me. It was just getting the content out. Um, and there's definitely iterations of that. I feel like it was May or maybe even early June when I first, mm. like, posted somewhere and was like, hey, can I get feedback on my website just based on what it looks like? Got lots of feedback, like it was really confusing. What is this website even about? Um, and yeah, so I was, I think I was just constantly building. The feedback you were getting, was that from complete strangers or was it, again, were you mining your network? Oh yeah, so the feed, well actually both, I guess. Um, though most of my friends, yeah, it's hard, you know, you can't trust your friends because they're, they're gonna say nice things. It's so great. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah, Go or, girl. <laughs> exactly that that one. Um, so there's I actually posted on um, a forum called Indie Hackers, which was my friend Cortland's website. Um, there's a forum there, and I got some feedback from like a handful of strangers, but it was so helpful. And I remember being so scared to post, just because I don't know, it's scary to put yourself out there, and it really was the first time I had done it. Um, so yeah, I mean, a few months later, I'm like, whatever, I make mistakes. Just, I'm so much more comfortable putting myself out there. But I bet it gets um, easier, right, over time. I mean, it, it's it really scary does, at first. shockingly. Right, and, and for the most part, people aren't jerks. You know what I mean? Like, it feels really scary. Mm -hmm. You think you're going to run into this thing, but I think then you realize, a, people really aren't jer jerks. They really want to help, and then also that you're more capable, you know, than you think you might be. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, there are some people who are jerks, but that's just normal. Right, 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 right. But I think there's, ha haters are right, there. I think there's just less than we think there are. Exactly. There's tons of people who are really willing to help, and 
Um, the internet is like, it's an interesting place. I think I was nervous about it. So I was telling you before we even started, I'm new to Twitter. Mm. I was like really nervous about Twitter land. I don't know. It just sounded like there's a bunch of trolls out there. But, and there, um, are, are, there are, especially these days. <laughs> yeah, there are. There definitely are. But you meet so many great people. Um, and there's lots of people who are willing to help and have great feedback and have experience doing exactly what you're doing and really genuinely enjoy mentoring or... Uh, right, or even just helping. Like I put out a couple of weeks ago, I'm writing an article um, which will have come out by the time this episode airs. I was writing an article about uh, remote work at, for Fast Company or distributed mm -hmm. teams as we think about it in tech. And I wrote one email, I wrote, I threw out a tweet and I thought, it, for a little while, nothing happened, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I tried. That's fine. And then, oh, my God, the tweet kept going and <gasps> going so and getting retweeted. And then I ended up having, like, 20 people, and I was like, okay, I, I, I can't actually fit everybody in this, in, in this article. Like, so now That's I'm actually amazing. writing two articles because I have so – I know. It was amazing. I was like, okay, I have to stop now, and then I, I wrote all the people who I couldn't get to, and I said, oh, my God, thank you so much. Can I put you on my list for other things later? And they were all like, yes, please. I'd love to talk to you. And many of them, when I talk to them, you know, I kind of give them a spiel. I'm not sure if you can get into Fast Company. Everybody mm -hmm. doesn't get, you know, I have a spiel I tell people when I'm writing. And they were like, I don't even care. I just want, I'm so passionate about this. And I just want to yeah. help people. Because it's like a new manager's guide to managing remote employees. And they were, they were like, I just want to help. Right, so same experience. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I, know, I was gonna say actually, there's I forget when this was, but there was this one tweet that made me like it's the same thing. There was a women, uh, women in tech brag day. I don't mm -hmm. know if you remember that. I but do. There was this trending, yeah, and I didn't even know what that meant, like a trending hashtag. I didn't, no idea. But I saw some, <laughs> like I only followed, I was like following a hundred people, like I don't, yeah, and I saw a bunch of people tweeting this thing, and I was like, oh yeah, I should do that. It was like a Friday night. Actually, I remember exactly now. It was the week following the, the Google memo. Oh, yes. That's, that's what, yeah, of course. How could I forget? Um, but I, I made this tweet, and someone, like, tw some Twitter famous people retweeted it, and it kind of went viral, I guess that's what it's called. And it was just so amazing to see the support. Um, and it was just really positive. So my first real experience with Twitter was a very positive one. Was it a tweet about key values? I had, no, it wasn't. It was just a tweet about me trying to start something. Oh, cool. <laughs> it was actually, yeah, it wasn't even about key values yet. That's so great. Um, so, but yeah, I just felt like there was a lot of support in general, and that kind of gave me, it, that was a huge turning point too in some ways, actually. That just kind of made me realize that it's okay to put yourself out there, and there are people who will be happy to have you if they hear about you. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you had that same thing. I'm excited yeah. <laughs> to read your piece. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a, an experience that I, it's, it's a theme that runs throughout many of the episodes that creating um, a business or any kind of project almost always forces the creator to put themselves out there. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the big lessons that they learn is that, that, it's not as hard as they think or they get better at it and that that while there are trolls out there and haters so to speak there are so many more people who are willing to help and what they gain from that is pretty amazing i couldn't agree more actually just you saying that just you describing that reminds me of how i kind of coach the teams in their profiles it's so funny like I think there was this, I was going through the same thing of wanting, to, like I was like, should I present myself in a certain way? Should I be very professional? Mm. And I'm kind of rough around the edges. Like I'm, you know, of course I can 
you know, be on good behavior. But generally, I'm, you know, I'd like to be unfiltered. That's something that's important to me. Um, and I realize that just saying, being who you are, whether or not people all like it, is kind of the goal. You don't need to please everyone. Um, and that's kind of what I want from teams and their profiles. Like, it's not, your culture is not for everyone. And I think the best thing you can do is just be really upfront and honest about who you are. And the people who that speaks to and that resonates with will come to you. And that's who you want to connect with, right? Right. Um, it's the same thing for, like, individuals. So, yeah, I just realized that that's, like, it's exactly the same thing, though. It's, it's, it's scary to put yourself out there, but it's so worth it if you are just authentically yourself and then the people who dig it reach out. Exactly. It's like that saying, like, there's a lid for every pot. You know what I mean? It's, which yes, is, like, sort yes. of hokey, but, but it's true rather than... So true. Rather, like, for companies or individuals, like, I see a lot of people go through, because I do a lot of career coaching, I see people yeah. trying to, like, shoehorn themselves into something, and I'm like, what are you doing? Is that what yeah. you really even want? You know, like they, no, I think it's, it's not right. <laughs> and even companies can do that too. If they get desperate and they want, you know, what they consider to be the best of the best, or maybe they, whatever, for whatever reason, maybe they feel like they have to people please, so to speak, um, mm -hmm. you know, to the audience. I feel like that's such an important, that's an important part of what key values really does is to try yeah. to dispel that and shift that. Yeah. And I think that everyone learns this eventually, but usually people have to get burned. Like, yep. You have to either pretend to be someone you're not, get hired for a role based on that perception, and then kind of be miserable for a year being, you know, right. realizing that you join a company based on, you know, not lies, but, Well, right, you, well, know, you have to just, put on a mask rather than just right, being exactly. yourself, right? Exactly, like, exactly. It's, that, that's really challenging. Okay, so I want to move us forward a little because I want to get to a point in this, and so you and I, I feel like could talk for hours about this. <laughs> I want to move us a little bit closer to launch. Like, how did you get, you know, how did you know when you were ready to launch and what was that like? Oh, man, I, so everyone that, I, that I'm friends with that has launched a product was like, you should have already launched. You should launch. Just launch. Like, they're just like, what are you waiting for? Um, and I think I was kind of delaying because I wanted it to be more perfect. <laughs> and then, mm. you know, it's, it's a very. Well, at what point were they telling you you should launch? Like, what did you have? Early. Early. Like, super how? early. Like, okay, like when you have Like I was on, basic? yeah, I was like on Heroku and it wasn't, it wasn't even like responsive from, it wasn't like mobile friendly whatsoever. Um, I had some, some teams, not that many yet. Like even when I had like 10 teams, I think people were like, you should just launch. Um, and how many teams did you launch with? I think it was 24. Okay, so you doubled. Okay, but at 10 teams and it not being responsive on mobile, all that, people wanted you to launch and you decided to delay. Delay? I mean, I was just, I mean, this is honestly a common pitfall. I think people wait too long. Um, Do you think you waited too long or no? It's hard to say. I feel, I mean, yes. I think I should have given myself an earlier deadline because that's what happens when you work for yourself. You're just like, oh, well, there's no one telling me what to do. I guess I'll just... Keep you know, working it's just, on it. It's just easy to, if you're a perfectionist too, oh man. I'm, oh yeah. It's just like, you'll never be perfect. It's just like writing. You are you can edit something a thousand times. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think. What made you finally launch then? How did I, you finally get to that place? Well, let's see. I wanted to launch a month before. Okay. <laughs> so really it was like, I was just delayed. I was already past my, my deadline. And then at some point I just like put it, I told, oh, this is what happened. I told people. I was like, I'm going to launch in the beginning of September. And then I was like, once I told people that, I had to deliver. 
Did you tell them to give yourself accountability or no? No, I just told some of the teams that I had been I had profiled because they were asking. They're like, oh, this profile is great. Like, when are you going to start <laughs> sending people to the, to our profiles? Right. Um, and so I was telling people beginning, I, well, I started saying beginning of September and then um, I started, then I started regretting I'd said that because I was like, I need more time. Um, but then I just, you know, I really somehow convinced myself it was a real deadline. It was, it was like finals week in college. Spent the whole week before working crazily. Um, I actually remember it because I usually go to Burning Man. Um, it's the first year I haven't gone in a long time, and I was just working the whole week mm -hmm. up until that Tuesday morning. And, uh, yeah, it was... Wait, it, what, it sounds like Tuesday morning was launch day. Was that just an arbitrarily picked day? So Monday or? was, um, was it Labor Day or Memorial Day? It's the Labor Day is the Labor one Day. in September. I was like, which one is this? <laughs> I've lived in this country my whole life. I don't know why I don't know this yet. I'm, um, I'm the same way. I'm <laughs> always confusing them. <laughs> so Labor Day. So yeah, I've, I've had that Monday and I was like, I don't think anyone's working. So I waited till Tuesday. Um, but yeah, everyone says like it's good to do it early in the week, obviously. Especially because I was planning on launching on Hacker News. And those are days that seem to be heavy traffic. Uh, so that was my plan. Yeah, so wait, let's talk a little bit about like the launch plan. How did you decide that you were going to get it out in the world? What was your launch plan? Yeah, so I think from the very beginning, I kind of actually always designed like key values and built it around the idea that Hacker News might be a good channel. You know, it's already a huge audience mm -hmm. of exactly the right people. These are software engineers. And just reading lots of the posts and forums, there's lots of people who already discuss, you know, company culture and hiring and you know, it's just, it seemed like it was a relevant topic already. So I'm, I always kind of planned to do that. And then one of the main things was just also not building up the launch, like the big launch in my head so much, because that's kind of what made me delay, because it was just so daunting. Right, because if you're a perfectionist, you want, and people are going to look at it, you want it to be right. Per yeah, and it's just, that is just really stressful. Um, yep. So I, I think it took me a while to just get away from the idea of like the launch and reading about stories of people who like, you know, launch multiple times and it's a totally fine to do mini launches. So um, I had these like small mini launches in my mind where I was just post about them, post about key values um, in different forums or like small audiences, um, distribute it in like smaller networks that I belong to. And then that kind of gave me confidence to just pull the trigger, um, but preparing for it was really also just like, you know, making sure that it was responsive, making sure I had Google Analytics set up, um, and also Amplitude just so I could track user behavior, um, make sure I wasn't missing any opportunities there to see how people were interacting with key values. And yeah, it was... Wait, so when you launched on a Tuesday, that's what you sent it to Hacker News? I posted on Hacker News, yep. And before that, had you done mini launches? Did I get that correct? There are mini launches, like I, I call Teeny. them mini launches just because it's like putting it out there in front of some people who you don't know. Um, and that's like, there's like a Facebook group that I belong to that's um, for Dev Bootcamp, which was the bootcamp that I, I did. Yep. And yep. so I, I like did a mini launch there and it was, you know, there's probably like a hundred people who saw it, but that's still a mini launch, right? It's, you get yeah, feedback. Yeah, no, it's great. I'm, yeah, I think that's really great. So like what other places did, what was another, uh, another place where you did a mini launch? Um, there's a forum called Leap which is an all-women's forum. Um, it's, yeah, actually, I would be happy to invite people if they're interested. Um, and that was uh, that was another place. And also Indie Hackers, again, which is another, the forum I spoke about earlier. Yep. Um, I did an earlier post there, but I, you know, asked again for feedback. And it's always really helpful. People give you great feedback, and they find bugs for you, and they, 
you know, right before problems. you put it out big in the world, because, you know, I mean, I've launched products for clients and I mean, it's always one of my clients has 25,000 Twitter followers and altogether Ooh. their audience is probably between lists and everything is somewhere in the 30 to 35,000. And let me tell you, my finger is I am sweating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so like, I love the idea of mini launches. So let's talk, let's fast forward us, you know, and our last little bit of time here together. I want to talk about, uh, you know, Hacker News. And I know I read something that said you had something like 30,000 page views in a few days. Yeah, it was amazing. So another thing is sometimes when you post on Hacker News, nothing happens. Right. Like it just dies and it's, you know, very anticlimactic. Right. Um, but it picked up and it was just a really, it was, yeah, it, it was on the front page in the number three spot at the highest point. And it was on the front page for like 14 hours almost, which is amazing. Right. I was so excited. I didn't sleep for so many days. It was, it was just crazy. Um, and yeah, and then also actually the next day someone saw it from Hacker News, I think, and posted it on, or launched it on Product Hunt. And that was something like I did not prepare for it at all. Had no idea what to do at that point. Um, wish I definitely have regrets there. Wish I had done that differently, but it was just like something. What oh, are so, the regrets you have with that? So I just wasn't familiar with the Product Hunt community. Yeah. And so like Hacker News, you can post things multiple times, no biggie. Um, Product Hunt, you can only launch something once. Um, so I hadn't, you know, I just wish I had. So some, somebody else had launched it for you. Exactly. You didn't have control over the launch and you couldn't do it any again. Yeah, and I didn't even know if I could, like, solicit upvotes because on Hacker News, that's, like, a huge no-no. Right. Um, so I didn't even know if I should be, like, I didn't, I just missed a lot of opportunity there. And also, I, like, didn't have any, I didn't have the ability to comment on my own product. <laughs> right, because somebody else launched it for you. Yeah, I wasn't even, you know, to be honest, uh... I probably still don't exactly know how that goes. But I think I had to, like, have upvoted or commented on other products for a few days in a row to unlock the ability to comment. Yeah. So yeah, I hadn't done that yet. So sorry for anyone who commented and I didn't <laughs> respond. Um, so there's <laughs> right. just like you know, there's just some missed opportunities there, but it worked out. But that's great. That is great learning. Like even I love that we are letting folks know about Product Hunt because I'm on there and I didn't. I've never launched something on there and I didn't know that that that, that what that policy was and how that works. So that's yeah, actually really important. There's actually two um, resources that I found after the fact that are very useful. One that's from Product Hunt, like how how to launch and what are the rules. And then someone else actually documented their product hunt launch about three weeks after I did it. And I was like, man, <laughs> I wish I had that beforehand. Like, how do you find a, a product hunter? And yeah, there's all these things you can do. Well, and will you give us the links um, so that yes. we can put them on, yes. the, on the show notes page for folks? Absolutely. Because I feel like those are going to be invaluable resources. Yeah, I wish so badly that I'd read those in, earlier. So badly. Right. So we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll help other people, right? We'll pay yes. it forward and help other people. Definitely. So, so you launch and it's 30,000. Like, you know, so I guess I'm curious, after you launch, you have all these views, sort of like what's happened since then? Yeah, so everyone talks about the, the post-launch trough of sorrow, mm. <laughs> which is um, something I didn't really prepare for, but it's, it's real. <laughs> so there's the initial spike of traffic that you get when you launch something. Um, everyone loves it. Everyone visits. And then... That's it. You know, you you kind of think a lot of people have this mis misconception that once you launch something, people will tell their friends and their family and everyone just keeps coming back. They just keep growing, right? Yeah. And it's just not the case. And that's okay. It's totally normal for that to not be the case. Um, so what happens? What's the, what like, it, how far did you fall? Or you know what I mean? Like what's like in traffic or whatever? Yeah. So I'm kind of still, you know, I'm still... 
I'm still like f digging myself out of the post-launch top so I don't know how to call it, what to call it, but it's been so interesting this phase. So how do you, like the question is, how do you keep driving traffic? Um, yeah. There's lots of ways you can do this. And one of the strategies that I decided to go to, 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 you know, to invest time in is content marketing. So I actually think one of the articles that I wrote that put us in touch is, uh, is the first article. And that was just writing about my experience from about launching my first product. And this is, you know, it's A, building up an audience, and it's good, and it's useful, and helps people who are trying to do the same thing, but it also does link back to key values and helps spread the word. So, um, Yeah, I definitely read that. Well, my partner told me about you, and then I just started Googling the heck out of you because I knew <laughs> I wanted you on my show. I was like, I need to have her. I have to figure out what the angle is so that I can get her to come on my show. Yeah. Well, so that's it. I mean, that's a perfect example. I, I mean, it, it works then, I guess, right? It's um, Worked for it helps, me. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> and it's also just a good way in general to get, to learn more about who is interested and engage with your potential audience. Um, and then I wrote another article that was just kind of out, uh, looking at the data that I've collected based on what values people are, are selecting when they come to key values. And that also did really well. I posted on Hacker News, made it to the front page. Um, and that was another great, so each, every time I post something, there's a, a spike of traffic. Um, but I'm realizing now that it's actually, it takes me a long time to write these things. So right. maybe content marketing isn't the best strategy for me. I like writing. I'm just kind of slow. <laughs> you know what's so funny though? I feel like it, it's actually slow for lots of people. I feel like there's this myth out there that I keep trying to bust that you can write a really good article in an hour. No, no, uh, right? no, no. I mean, uh, when I wrote my article, for Fast Company, I had one that went really wide. Wide. It's called Why I Stopped Calling Myself a Freelancer. And it went really, really wide. It was like named their best of the best leadership lessons oh, of the year. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, it's a little bit old. It's like a couple of years old. But when I first wrote it, I think I spent like probably 40 hours on it. Yeah. I'm not joking. Like, no, I, I, I was I like, believe I took you. so much care with it. I thought about it and I wrote it and I rewrote it. I got I hired an editor to help me and she was amazing. And you know, I mean, maybe it was like 25 or 30, but it was a lot of hours. So I yeah. feel like content marketing is wonderful, but it actually takes a lot more time than we think. Yes. I I mean, I think most people know that writing is hard, but they, they should know that it's writing. writing is hard for almost everyone. Right. There's maybe like a few people that are like have superpowers and can churn out really good content really quickly, but they're rare, they're super rare. Wait. Not Not the common. Exactly. Not the average person. Well, here's my last question for you. So at one point, we ha one thing we haven't really talked about is business model. Because you were building it not just as a side product, but you're building it to create this, I assume, is for income Yeah. <laughs> down at some point. So yep. let's, can we just talk briefly about the business model that you started thinking about when you, and when you started thinking about it? Yeah, so it's, it's funny. I've thought about it a lot, and I actually thought I would start charging sooner. Um, so this is kind of has its own evolution, but originally I thought I would do, um, I, would, I would charge companies based on placements. So if someone came through key values, read their profile, applied, and they hired this person, I should get the same recruiting fee that a normal recruiter would get. Um, and then I realized, you know, just in terms of focus, I wanted to drive more traffic first and keep growing the content on key values before actually charging. Because I have this runway and I know that I'm, you know, it's just one person working on this. That if I started focusing on, you know, closing, like writing contracts and getting, uh, getting customers, that everything else would suffer. So I really just made the decision to focus on improving the product mm. and growing rather than charging. And then, actually, I'm really glad I did this because over the last couple of months, I've really just learned about what type of value I'm, I'm providing to people 
on both sides. And it really has, um, made me feel a little more creative about the ways I might, might be charging. So at this point, I think it'll be a subscription model um, where companies pay a certain number of dollars to have a profile on key values. And then obviously there's a lot of value in just working with teams and getting that content. And so some teams are, you know, require more hands-on work from me, while others, you know, they've, there's some teams who've like, they've thought about their values for many years. They have it all in writing. They've done all the exercises already. And they're like, this is great. We can do this in a couple of hours because they have already have all the content. Um, but a lot of other teams really, it's like a, it's coaching. They need to sit down yeah. and really like figure out what it means to select a value and what does it mean and like how to even test themselves whether or not they're they're walking the walk. Um, so I think there's some there's some something there. And then also, yeah, I mean there's like all sorts of things. I was gonna say that there's like there's a data play. I'm get I'm getting a lot of information obviously just about what people care about. And I think this is really valuable to companies both in hiring and retaining engineering talent. So yeah, anyways, there's a lot of directions and I'm I'm continuing to focus on growing rather than charging for at least a little longer. Got it. Yeah, so like maybe not until 2018? Possibly, yeah. Hmm. Um, and I think part of that's also just um, the number one, like the request I get from people who visit Key Values is like, I wish there's more teams. So I want to give, you know, to add more profiles and give the people what they want. <laughs> right. Yeah, so. that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think there's something that's, it's something that's often debated, like when do you charge? And a right. lot of people say you, sh you should charge on day one. And I think that works in some cases, but um, and, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a really clear right or wrong answer there. But for me, it feels comfortable to focus on growing for now. Well, yeah, I, I have a hard time with the you should do X or the universal advice thing. Mm -hmm. it, it just does not. I don't know. Maybe I'm just unconventional and <laughs> There's weird, not one size fits all. It, it just, yeah, advice, that's just, yeah. yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't, I, I, I don't, I just don't believe in those kinds of things. I really believe that there's lots of good, there's like lots of different paths and then you pick the path that's correct for you and your exactly. situation. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like for you. It sounds like you feel like this whole throughout this whole thing you've done that. Maybe there were times when you wish you would have, like you wish you would have launched a little bit sooner. Maybe you know, um, but but it sounds like you've really followed your path and what felt right for you and this product instinctually throughout the process. Yeah, you know, you know why though? It's because one of the well, something that my friend Cortland tells me a lot is one of the biggest things that people like one of the main reasons why people fail is because they quit. They quit too early. Yeah. So I think I've always been optimizing for future mental health and like happiness because if I start to dread doing this or it feels like a chore, I mean, there's no one else that's motivating me to do this other than me. So I have to make sure that I'm enjoying the process as well. And I think that's something that's really important. Everyone's really different. There's no like generalized piece of advice that you can follow. You have to just do what excites you and that's different. No one knows that better than you. So you have to just really figure out what is exciting to you and makes you want to you know, wake up early and w work right away. And if, if you're doing things that other people are telling you that you don't like, it's probably not, you know, it's not going to end well. I'm going to end on that because that is just perfect, perfect <laughs> advice. Oh my gosh, Lynn, I am so grateful that you took a chance on a random stranger on the internet. No, I'm so glad I love inbox. it. I love it. <laughs> so will you please come on my show? I'm really, really grateful you took a chance. I'm so honored. It was so fun.